You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life, here's the word, worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Humility, patience, forbearance, and those make it possible for us to live in unity, whether in a family, whether in a church, etc. In the Bible, we're encouraged over and over again to live a life worthy of the calling that God has placed on our lives. We're challenged to live like Christ and live in unity wherever we go. In today's message, Pastor Danny will teach on some of the ways that you can live that out. For instance, you could be humble, gentle, and patient. Love others always and fully. These attributes aren't always easy to have, but the Holy Spirit is with you for a reason. It's there to help guide you to make the righteous and holy choices in life. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Acts, chapter 28, as he begins his message, Lifestyle Worthy of the Kingdom of God. We have been springboarded into a series on the kingdom of God from Acts chapter 28, and we were studying the book of Acts, and when we uh, got to the last chapter, Paul the Apostle made two comments there related to the kingdom of God, and so that's kind of catapulted us into this series. Jesus, according to Acts chapter 1, after his resurrection, appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days, and during that time, it says he spoke about the kingdom of of God. The kingdom of God is synonymous with the kingdom of heaven because technically the kingdom of God is in heaven right now. And uh, we've talked about that, where the kingdom is, it's in heaven. We've talked about what the kingdom is, it's where God reigns supreme and where Christ is king. One day the kingdom is coming to the earth, and that is exciting to think about. So we've looked at the kingdom, where it is, uh, what it is, parables about the kingdom, Matthew 13, who's the greatest in the kingdom. A worship worthy of the kingdom. And last weekend, characteristics of the coming kingdom. And I told you that I was preparing a different message than one I'm giving today, even though five out of the six pages have been obliterated and it's very fresh now. But I thought it'd be good to cover uh, characteristics of the coming kingdom because it would help potentially to motivate us for today's topic. Today's topic is very simple. is lifestyle worthy of the kingdom. Now, before we get into it, uh, I wish somebody had told me about this book, including my wife. She hid it from me. She's already read it, and I didn't know it. It's called Heaven by Randy Alcorn, and uh, I'm about halfway through now between last week and this week, and just read you a couple of statements he makes. The biblical doctrine of the new earth 
implies something startling. That if we want to know what the ultimate heaven, our eternal home, will be like, the best place to start is by looking around us. We shouldn't close our eyes and try to imagine the unimaginable. We should open our eyes because the present earth is as much a valid reference point for envisioning the new earth as our present bodies are a valid reference point for envisioning our new bodies. After all, we're living on the remnants of a perfect world, the way God created it, as the remnants of a perfect humanity, the way God created man originally. We shouldn't read into the new earth anything that's wrong with this one, but can we not imagine what it would be like to be unhindered by disease and death? Can we not envision natural beauty untainted by destruction? The idea of the new earth as a physical place isn't an invention of short-sighted human imagination. Rather, it's the invention of a transcendent God who made physical human beings to live on a physical earth and who chose to become a man himself on that same earth. He did this that he might redeem mankind and earth. Why? in order to glorify himself and enjoy forever the company of men and women in a world he's made for us. And then after that, he gives a chart, and it's very simple, but it's fascinating at the same time. Uh, Almost four pages, which I don't have time certainly to read everything he puts in here, but three eras of mankind and earth. Past, original mankind. Present, fallen mankind. Future, resurrected mankind. Past, original earth, present, fallen earth, future, new, resurrected earth. Past, mankind given dominion with intended stewardship of earth. Present, mankind's dominion thwarted, frustrated, and twisted. Future, mankind's dominion fulfilled, redeemed stewardship of the earth. Past, no curse, present, sin, and curse. Future, no curse. Past, Tree of life in the garden, free for mankind to eat of. Present, tree of life in paradise. That's heaven, paradise. We've seen that in our study. Future, tree of life in the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven to earth, and mankind once again eats of the tree of life. Past, no death. Present, death permeates all. Future, death forever removed. Past, God walking with humans in the garden present, humans cut off from God. Future, God dwells face to face with humans. And he just goes on and on. I love this one. Past, paradise, present, paradise lost, sought, glimmer seen. That's what he's talking about in looking at the present earth. And there are foretastes of the future earth because the future one will be Maui with the waterfall, but no sin and no curse, and no death, and you don't have to take a plane to get there. Cool. Future paradise regained and magnified. One more paragraph here. In Genesis, God plants the garden on earth. In Revelation, he brings down the new Jerusalem with a garden at its center to the new earth. In Eden, there's no sin, death, or curse. On the new earth, there's no more sin, death, or curse. In Genesis, the Redeemer is promised. In Revelation, the Redeemer returns. Genesis tells the story of paradise lost. Revelation tells the story of paradise regained. 
In Genesis, humanity's stewardship is squandered. In Revelation, humanity's stewardship is triumphant, empowered by the human and divine King Jesus. If you did not have an opportunity to be with us last week, I encourage you to maybe go online and get the characteristics of the coming kingdom. They're fascinating, and it'll get you looking forward to our future home. Now, hopefully, doing that message last weekend first will help to motivate us to do this, and that is live a lifestyle worthy of the kingdom of God. Now, I need to explain what we're talking about in terms of worthiness here. The word means deserving attention or respect. Synonyms, virtuous, righteous, moral, ethical, upright. But what we're not talking about, and I hope you guys understand this, please, We're not talking about our natural worthiness. We are not worthy of the kingdom. We are not worthy of salvation. Isaiah 64, 6 says, our righteousness is like filthy rags in God's sight. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we're not talking about a worthiness in terms of our worthiness for salvation, etc. We are saved by grace because of the mercy of God through faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. I think we understand that, but I need to say it because the worthiness here is not worthiness related to salvation. It's worthiness related to our conduct connected to our commitment to Christ in light of what he has done for us and all he has planned for us in the future how we live our lives, how we conduct ourselves in this present body and in this life. Several scriptures, I won't expound on most of them. You just got to grab it, take it in. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life, here's the word, worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Humility, patience, forbearance, and those make it possible for us to live in unity, whether in a family, whether in a church, etc. Just a little reminder, you know what forbearance is? It's putting up with one another. We're talking about believers. No matter how mature you are in the Lord, you have faults still. And your spouse, if you've been married very long at all, knows what those faults are. Forbearance. Patience. Humility. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Paul says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, that's unity, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, that's courage and steadfastness in the face of opposition. This is a sign to them that they'll be destroyed and that you'll be saved. Again, unity, not giving in to fear, courageousness, steadfastness. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. 
And the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you're enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted, here it is again, worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are suffering. And there is mentioned growth, increasing love, perseverance through persecution and suffering and trial. One more, and I'll slow down a little bit on this one. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life, and here it is again, worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. You won't give up. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, for just a couple of moments, let's look at these a little closer. Because all these are characteristics of a lifestyle lived worthy of the kingdom. And the first mentioned here is bearing fruit in every good work. Every good work. Now, I'm not looking to call attention to myself, but I want to give you an example. My work. My work. All right? This is what I get paid to do in this life. I get a paycheck every two weeks. It's how I pay my bills. It's how I support my family. It's called full-time Christian service, as some people have called it. And my particular ministry, I think about verses like 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. Worthy of double honor. Especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. And that's the primary thing I do. You either like it or you don't like it. If you don't like it, I don't know why you keep coming back. Because it's the majority of what you get here on a regular service every week. You get basically 25, 30 minutes of worship, and you get 45 minutes legal time of me opening my big mouth, and sometimes I go overtime. But it's my primary responsibility. It's not all I do. I help direct the affairs of the church. I'm the senior pastor, lead pastor, whatever you want to call me. I'm not the only leader here, but I'm the main leader. And so what I say has clout, and I help give direction and make decisions. But my primary responsibility is to study and to pray and to come and teach and preach the Word. That's what I get paid to do. It's a blessing. I think of verses like 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. You could say worthy. A worker, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. What would cause me to have shame or the Lord be ashamed of me in terms of my calling and my work? Well, if I just did it half-heartedly. If I just only say, well, I got a couple hours studying, I got three points and a nice couple of stories, and they'll enjoy that. How I do my work 
God looks down, Jesus looked down and said, is he worthy? Because we just read it. Those who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. Those who do it well, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. But now let me flip the coin because most of us, the majority of us in this service, you're not called to do what I do. The majority of us are not on staff with a local church. The majority of us are not because we're not called to do that. But your work is judged in the same way my work is. What you do to get a paycheck and how you do that work, you will be judged for that work in the same way I'm judged for my work. I'm called to do this full time. Most of you are not. We're all called to invest in the kingdom. I'll get to that in just a minute. But listen to what the scriptures say. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Now, that just fills in any blank, doesn't it? That's what you get paid for. That's what you don't get paid for. That's recreation. That's vacation. The Lord will, and I'm going catching tomorrow. I don't like fishing, but I love catching. You know what? I want to do it to the glory of God. And Lord, I believe it would be your glory if we limit out. (laughs) Jesus knows how to fish better than fishermen. Remember, cast your nets on the other side. They fished all night and caught nothing. And then they caught more fish than they ever caught in their life. Oh, Lord, that'd be wonderful. (laughs) Colossians. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. It's working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord, the kingdom. It's the Lord Christ you are serving. If you haven't gotten that instilled in your mind, please, please begin to do it today. If you're a Christian, I'm assuming that's why you came here. It doesn't matter where you work. It doesn't matter how much you make or don't make. You got to get the perspective that what I'm doing, you're working at McDonald's. Listen, McDonald's, you're to do it as unto the Lord because you're not really serving the people of McDonald's as much as you're serving the Lord. So how you flip that burger I'm telling you the truth. That's what this means. And you'll be judged based on how you do your work. Now, all of us called, no matter how we get our paycheck and support ourselves in terms of a living, all right? Ephesians 4.16, the body, the church, builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I went to Romans chapter 16. It's a fascinating closing chapter because Paul the Apostle just mentions all these different people. Uh, For example, verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They were full-time ministers with Paul, and yet they were also tent makers like Paul. They would work, actually literally making tents, make money, and then go back into their full-time work, and then to go make money and go back into their full-time work. Then you have verse 6, greet Mary who worked very hard for you. It doesn't tell us what she did, but she worked very hard, whatever it was. Verse 9, greet Urbanus, a co-worker in Christ. Then you get to verse 12, greet Tryphena and Trophosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Then verse 23 is fascinating, Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy. He must have been a wealthy guy, opened up his home, opened up his life, maybe made some meals for people in the church. Hospitality. Hospitality is a holy act. 
First Timothy 5 gives a list of characteristics for a widow that is to get financial support from a church because she can't get it from anywhere else. Christian widow. And it's interesting, the list, uh, it says, well known for good deeds. And then it tells us what some of those good deeds were. Interesting. Faithful to a husband, well known for good deeds, such as bringing up children. Maybe you're calling right now in life. Your primary calling is to raise those children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble, devoting yourself to all kinds of good deeds. Not only working to make a living, but doing something that makes a difference for the kingdom of God represented by the local church. Now, here's a cool verse, and I hope you get this. Whatever you do, how small it may seem to you, but it doesn't seem small to God. You say, I'll never do what you do. If you're not called to do what I do, don't try it. Don't go there. But here's a great verse. Jesus said, whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Wait a minute. You're not a prophet. You're not called to be a prophet, but you receive a prophet as a prophet. You get the same reward as him. Isn't that cool? I think it's cool. I think it's cool, Lord. Whoever receives, uh, welcomes a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives, listen to this. If anyone gives a cup of cold water, Just a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple. Truly, I tell you, that person will not lose their reward. That's the way God judges. That's the way he evaluates. That's the way he rewards based on what he's called you to do. Not what he's called me to do. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Won't spend nearly as much time on this one, but it's an important one. Growing in the knowledge of God. I've been a Christian a long time now. At least I've been a Christian much longer than I was not a Christian. Got saved when I was 19, and I, a lot of you know that. Been studying the Bible for a long time. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about God. But you know, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Paul, the apostle, when he was closing out the letter of 2 Timothy, let me read you one statement that he makes. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. It was cold where he was. And he forgot his cloak. And my scrolls, especially the parchments. Translate that into our day. The scrolls. That wasn't the Bible. The scrolls were his books. He said, when you come, bring the cloak and bring my books that I left. Especially the parchments. The parchments were scrolls from the Old Testament, the only Bible they had at the time. How practical is that? Paul the Apostle, aged saint when he writes that. He knew the Bible when he got saved. He was a Pharisee. He was a student of the Scriptures. He knew the Bible. But boy, did he see the Bible totally differently when he really got saved. But even after years of walking with the Lord, he still reading books to learn and studying the scriptures to grow in the knowledge of God. That's part of a lifestyle worthy of the kingdom. Colossians chapter 1, growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. 
There's two ways to get strength. Two main ways. Now, now these aren't the only ways, but one is to exercise. You exercise physically, you'll get stronger physically. You exercise spiritually, you'll get stronger spiritually. While Jesus was on earth, he talked a lot about the kingdom of God. But what does this mean for you today? Well, in this series, Pastor Danny looks to scripture to help you further understand what God has in mind for his kingdom. How does it affect you in this moment? What does it mean for you in the future? As you continue to listen to this series, we hope you gain a greater understanding of God's intent for your part in his kingdom. We're thankful that you've chosen to tune in today to The Living Word. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor Danny's messages from this series, visit ccfstpete.church. Feel free to download or share these teachings with others. You can also visit our YouTube channel. You might be interested in looking back at some previous services that are there as well. Subscribing to our YouTube channel will allow you to be notified as soon as we post anything new. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you. Come visit us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship for a time of worship and Bible study. You can find out more by going to our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. If you're unable to join us in person, we offer a live stream of our weekend services. Just visit our website and click the link in the menu. Thanks so much for tuning in today to hear from Pastor Danny right here on The Living Word.